Give him the axe, the axe, the axe. The axe, the axe, the axe, the axe, the axe, and the axe. Nine in a row, the Cardinal has beaten the California Golden Bears, and history continued on Saturday afternoon at Memorial Stadium in Berkeley. Welcome to the TreeCast, everyone. Monday, December 3rd, 2018. And we are breaking down the 121st big game and doing a little look ahead to the postseason for the Cardinals. So a lot on the docket uh, for the show. Glad you're carving out some time and spending it here with us. I'm in Detroit Clarity, host of this show. Thank you for being here with us and looking forward to bringing along for the ride a few familiar names from Stanford football. The head coach, David Shaw, my exclusive one-on-one with him post-game. Cameron Scarlett, Stanford running back, doesn't get a lot of press, obviously, you know, in the shadow of Bryce Love a little bit, and, and, and rightfully so, but Scarlett was some big moments during and before the game. I'll tell you about that as we go along. And Stanford linebacker Bobby Okariki was huge throughout the course of the game, helping to uh, really thwart uh, the Cal Golden Bears offense. So David Shaw, Cam Scarlett, Bobby Okariki, and you along for the ride here with us. You can follow, of course, me on Twitter uh, at Troy Clarity, last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. And uh, don't forget, subscribe. Even though we don't have too many of these remaining, it's always still, you never know when these are going to pop up, especially over the next couple of weeks. Uh, So it's best to subscribe to these on Apple Podcasts and on iTunes. Thank you to those of you who have done just that. Stanford victorious, 23-13 over Cal. On Saturday afternoon, the day started with rain showers throughout much of the morning, and and it was pouring about 20 minutes before the kick. I was a little worried about the elements myself as I was on the sidelines once again for the Stanford Football Radio Network filling in for John Platt as he was in Kansas with Stanford men's hoops. Boy, a close call for those guys in Lawrence. That was was interesting to see. But I was on the sidelines once again as uh, Stanford took on Cal. The skies parted a little bit. Drizzled at times throughout the game, but 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 nothing too serious. And it certainly it certainly didn't rain on Stanford's parade early on in the game. The Cardinal wasting little time, taking a 10-0 lead. The big play along the way, a 46-yard uh, touchdown catch and run on a screen pass, no less, by Cam Scarlett. 10 nothing Stanford after one. Cal managing a couple of field goals. Stanford with a chance to put points on the board right before the uh, end of the half. A big fumble by Cal's uh, Malik McMorris, who is still one of my favorite players to watch. Big number 99 uh, for the Bears. But he was stripped by Malik Antoine. And, uh, and uh, Bobby Okariki was also there as well. And uh, Stanford was able, to afford, was able to recover the fumble. Stanford with a chance... Clock management, perhaps, a little bit uh, not in their favor as they had. They had first and goal at the one with 12 seconds left and a timeout in hand. Instead of running the ball and giving them a chance, if they didn't get into the end zone, to call a timeout and then try fades, they tried a couple of fades. One of them took especially long. Next thing you knew, Stanford had only five seconds left, and uh, they had to kick the field goal. So it was only 13-6 to at uh, the half, Stanford with the lead. That was slightly annoying. But then after that, the Stanford defense dug in, led by Paulson Adebo. Oh, what an interception that was. As he 
an errant pass, terrible pass by Chase Garbers, the Cal quarterback who did not have his best day. Hopefully, old blues are hoping that better days are in store for him as he's just 19 years old. We'll see how he uh, progresses throughout the remainder of his career. But but a woefully errant pass into the end zone. Paulson Adebo still had to get on this horse and make the diving, reaching, one-handed interception, keeping the ball off the ground. Just a, just a work of art. I actually asked Paulson after the game if he had any experience playing center field because that's what it looked like. And he said, nope, never played baseball at all. Something I wanted to get into, but but never could because football got in the way. Well, he certainly made a baseball-type catch there, one of the greatest interceptions of all time, perhaps, uh, in Stanford history. So a at the interception there. And then adding another pick, taking it back 43 yards and setting up Cam Scarlett's second touchdown uh, of the day, a three-yard run to make it 23-6 to with 2.27 to go. The Bears, with their only touchdown of the day in garbage time with just 10 seconds remaining, put it all together, and Cal loses again to Stanford. But this game, to me, hinged on one key thing, and it's something that we discussed on our TreeCast preview of the big game last week. When I revealed that, I really didn't know how on paper Cal was going to score, partly because they're just so terrible in the red zone. Cal dead last coming into the game last week in the Pac-12 in red zone touchdown percentage. They get in the opponent's red zone whenever they got in the red, opponent's red zone coming into last week's game. They only scored touchdowns 50% of the time. 50% of the time they got touchdowns in the opponent's red zone heading into last week. That's a terrible number. Awful. So I was curious to see how that was going to develop as... Last Saturday's game unfolded. How did it go? Well, let's start here. Midway through the second quarter. Cal inside the Stanford red zone. Third and five, as a matter of fact, at the Stanford seven. Chase Garbers has Jordan Duncan in the back of the end zone, but Garbers airmails it over everyone. Incomplete. And so the Bears have to settle for a field goal. It was good from 24 yards out, but instead of tying the game with a touchdown, Stanford maintained a lead 10 to 6, less than five minutes to go in the second quarter. So that's failure number one in the red zone to get a touchdown. Look, red zone scoring percentage to me doesn't mean that much. Red zone touchdown percentage to me means everything. But this was the big failure, the big failure. And it came in the fourth quarter. Paul Snadebo's first interception, we talked about that. Uh, his, his, his big pick, his eye-popping interception in the end zone, giving Stanford the ball first and 10, their own 20-yard line. But Bryce Love hit on the very next play, fumbles the ball. Cal gets it back at the Stanford 23. Bears advance inside the Stanford red zone, but Chase Garber stopped for no gain on third down. Fourth and six from the 19. Greg Thomas comes on and misses wide left. So instead of Cal, once again, getting a touchdown to tie the game as they were down 13-6 at that point, they get nothing in this instance. And the amazing thing to me was that, and, and this, was the, this was mind-boggling to me, and I kept harping on it during, during, the, during the game broadcast on Saturday because, A, it was a subplot, and, B, because it kept happening, but not just the fact that Cal had only scored touchdowns on 
of their red zone trips entering Sunday's game, Saturday's game rather. In the big game, by the way, they were one for three with their one coming in garbage time. So that's 33% red zone touchdown percentage against Stanford. Still no bueno. But on top of that, with that red zone failure, the missed field goal early in the fourth quarter, that means that this season, Cal has had at least one red zone trip come up empty. Empty. Not just, not, not even three points. Zero points. They've had one red zone trip come up empty in nine games this year. That's just mind-blowing. One red zone trip coming up empty in nine games this year for the California Golden Bears. We thought that the Cal Bears would have a time in the red zone, but boy, I didn't think it would be anything like this. And those red zone failures, more than anything else, cost the Bears any real chance of gaining any real control, any serious foothold in this game. And Stanford able to take a 10-0 lead and turn it into a win. 23-13, and the Bears thought this was going to be their year. Certainly, you you would have thought that, you know, Stanford would have some trouble uh, defensively, uh, or at least uh, against the Cal defense, and it kind of played out a little bit that way in the second and third quarters, but nope, the Cardinal able to put it all together, offense, defense, and special teams. Offensively, K.J. Costello, 18-29 for 237 and a touchdown. Bryce Love, 22 carries, 74 yards. And J.J. Arcega-Whiteside with uh, five catches for 109 yards. Uh, Defensively, Bobby Okariki with 13 tackles. Sean Barton with nine tackles as well. And, of course, Paul Snadebo with his two interceptions. And and also on special teams, too. Uh, I, I think Adebo, as there was a critical missed field goal, in the third quarter for the California Golden Bears. And I think Paul Snadebo's rush got a little close and perhaps maybe altered the flight, altered the kick just a little bit and sent that kick from Cal off and wide of the posts. So special teams coming into play there. And also Jake Bailey setting a school record with an 84-yard punt. Unfortunately, it just bounced into the end zone. So David Shaw said afterwards that he wished it was 83 yards, but uh, still overall uh, setting a school record, Jake Bailey with an 84-yarder in the second half against uh, Cal. So offense, defense, and special teams putting it all together throughout the course uh, of the win. And now Stanford 8-4 and four on the season and bowl bound. More on that later in the show, but let's not waste any time. David Shaw, very happy as you might expect. Uh, I, I, it's it's interesting talking to talking to Shaw after games because he's you know because because right afterwards he's still pumped, he's still got the juices flowing, you know, and and, and there's an energy that emanates from David Shaw. Uh, that maybe doesn't quite come across on TV during games because he always has that seems to have that same look on his face. But afterwards, uh, win or lose, you could tell uh, he's he's still he's still flowing. He's still on adrenaline, and he was certainly uh, he certainly still had that energy going and a big smile and a big grin on his face as David Shaw and I ducked off into a room uh, just off the Cal off the Stanford locker room while the Sea House chant was happening in the background. And that was the setting for my exclusive chat with uh, Stanford head coach David Shaw as he joined me, David Shaw, and my interview with him on the Stanford Football Radio Network. All right, 
coach. Celebrations happening in the background. The axe is in hand once again. Ninth consecutive year. 23-13 the final today. Just take me through the game from your perspective as it unfolded for you. Oh, the big thing was we wanted to start fast. With all the issues we've had not starting fast, we finally started the game right. We moved down the field. We got points. We'd love to get a touchdown, but we got points. We got a field goal. We came back. We got another touchdown. Guys were playing well. And then Cal started playing really well on defense. And we had to hold on a little bit. We had a couple of issues, false starts, et cetera, negative plays. Um, but there was a pressure that they were putting on us. They got a field goal, then another field goal. And we're hoping to be up more at halftime. We came out in the second half. And I thought Coach Aquino was going to lose his mind because Paul Sandibo had a chance to get an interception. He didn't get it. And I think he made up for it. He came back. I mean, two unbelievable interceptions. Um, one is the best I've, I've seen since I've been back in college. Um, we just gave him the game ball uh, as a player of the game. Just an outstanding game. But our guys kept fighting the entire time. More guys got hurt today. More guys got banged up. But we fought the entire way. Yeah, defensively, let's start there. Paul Debo, you mentioned him with the two interceptions. I believe he also might have come close on that missed field goal that Cal had uh, as well. Just, just take us through his progress from the spring. Because I, I remember the coaches were, were talking him up in the high hyping him up a lot during the spring up until now. Well, he's one of those guys that is the reason why we have this four-game rule. I wish we would have had it last year. He wasn't ready to play early on, but about mid-season, the way he was practicing, and this guy is extremely serious. He works extremely hard, and, and when he has success, he doesn't celebrate. He goes right back um, to, to his work ethic and, and his mindset, great mindset. This guy got better and better, and at the end of the year, we thought he might have been one of the best players on the team at any position, and we came out this year had a great spring, came out, had a great training camp, and all year he's been towards the top in college football and, and passed his offense, and then he might, he might probably took the lead again today for the for the, for the whole nation. Um, he broke our, our school record, uh, which was held by my friend Vaughn Bryant. Um, this guy this guy's unbelievable, and he's only going to get better. Two offensive drives to start resulted in 10 points. Then things started to slow down a little bit. What could have gone better uh, throughout the, much of the second and third quarters then? That is a combination of, of us and them. You know, we, we a couple of false starts. We start first and 15. You know, we get to second and longs and then third and longs. It's hard to convert those. And then also we had a couple of runs that we thought were going to crease them. And those guys are really good. There's a reason why they're ranked so high in run defense especially. They got off blocks. Um, you know, they, they knocked back our double teams a little bit. So we had a little tough, tough go of it, and then we missed a couple of throws. I mean, KJ would love to have a couple of those back. A couple would have been big plays, but then a couple of them on the sideline to, to, to Michael uh, Wilson, that would have been a huge play, big gains. Uh, but we fought back, and then we started to run the ball better, and they had just enough passes, but then the defense picked us up in the second half. How nice was it to have Nate Herbig back out there and starting, and, and having a big block along the way with that Cameron Scarlett uh, touchdown catch? Oh, man, he made some huge blocks today. Um, he's just a big, imposing force. He's physical. He's strong. Um, we missed him, and it's good to have him back today. Nine in a row. Now that the game is over, now that it's in hand, what does having the axe and beating Cal nine years in a row mean to you? Well, for me, it's really about the last, you know, four slash five for the guys on the team. You know, all the ones before were great, but for those guys on the team, I just told them it's something special to never lose to your rival. All those fourth and fifth year seniors to go through their entire careers and keep the axe, that's such a special feeling as they get older and older and they bump into more Cal people doing business, et cetera, through, uh, throughout their lives. That'll be always one thing they can they can hold their hat on. All right. Now, what's, what's 
next for you? Obviously, we find out which bowl Stanford's going to tomorrow. I'm sure some recruiting is in the offing in the next couple of weeks or so. What's on your plate uh, from now to the bowl game? Well, the biggest thing because of the new schedule with this game being pushed back. A lot of the coaches will go on the road. I won't go on the road this week. Got a lot of house cleaning things to do. We got a lot of guys that we need to get healthy, and we'll see when the bowl game is. But we're going to give our guys some time off. Um, we're beating up. We're beating up football team, and we need some rest. Coach, congratulations. I'm sure that uh, having the axe at Stanford once more, well, I'm sure uh, rest to get, get the guys that recuperate a little bit, bit quicker. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time, and uh, best of luck the rest of the way. Thank you. Our thanks to David Shaw. I appreciate his time as always as he uh, gets to hold on to the axe along with the rest of the Stanford program for at least one more year. And yeah, there, there's a lot on his to-do list, I'm sure. Number one, get guys healthy. You you know the injuries that this Stanford squad has been has been battling, not just through this season, but even stretching back uh, to the spring. Uh, don't forget K.J. Costello wasn't available at all during the spring as he healed up uh, from injuries. So, uh, you know, injuries have, have been a major part of this team uh, throughout the course uh, of the year, the entire calendar year, it seems. So he wants to get the guys as healthy as they possibly can for the bowl game uh, in El Paso against Pitt. Interesting that Stanford went to the screen game at times against the California Golden Bears. And that, and that vaunted defense, some of the numbers that they've been putting up throughout the course, certainly the last five games have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, holding Washington to only 10 points, uh, limiting Washington State to just 19. Uh, scoring, uh, they were only allowing scoring drives coming into this game on 22% of their opponent's possessions. That's pretty impressive. That's not bad. And Cal defensively with a lot to offer coming into that game. But Stanford countering that a little bit with screen passes. And they worked. Obviously, the big one to, uh, to Cameron Scarlett that put Stanford ahead 10-0. Now, Trent Irwin did get hurt in the first quarter. Uh, did not come back. Returned to the sidelines with a brace on his left knee and in street clothes. So, once again, injuries continue to be a part of the, the Stanford story. Uh, but perhaps, perhaps. Uh, David Shaw felt good about uh, Trent Irwin's uh, possibilities for perhaps coming back uh, for the bowl game on December the 31st. So that could be something to watch uh, in the next few weeks ahead. But altogether, uh, Stanford doing what it needed to do offensively, even though it wasn't for a full 60 minutes, certainly when they needed to, especially at the start. As mentioned, Stanford scoring on a 46-yard touchdown catch and run on a screen by Cameron Scarlett. And Scarlett, the senior, Wanted to go out the right way. His brother, Brennan Scarlett, played for Cal, transferred to Stanford, and was able to win a big game. He's the only Golden Bear to be able to win a big game uh, this decade. But Cameron Scarlett played a major part in this big game with his two touchdowns helping to lead the way to Stanford's victory and also had a bit of a role, perhaps, in Stanford's start even before the game actually began. More on that in a second. But right now, Cameron Scarlett's post-game media availability, beginning with him taking us through his 46-yard touchdown that put Stanford ahead 10-0. Oh, yeah, we've been really excited about that one. It was uh, drawn up last week, and we didn't have a, a chance to run it. And uh, we've been really, really working on our screen screen game this year. We wanted to improve that. We haven't had the efficiency we, we thought we, we should. And uh, I saw that the linebacker came down, and I knew that it was going to be a race to the end zone, so I had to turn on the Jets. How, how fun is it when you're in open field, there's one guy, and you see Brandon Fanica yeah. in front of you. you, you I'm sure you got to 
for oh, a yeah. look at that. Yeah, Brandon Fanak is really my guy. I, I saw him coming. I knew it was gonna, he was going to open it up and I was going to be out of there. Love seeing my big lineman running running fast like that. Do you hear the defender? Does he say something when he just gets crunched like that by, <laughs> by a guy that big? Oh, man, all I could hear was the pads pop. If he was to say something, he would have been drowned out by the pads. But I'm sure he was probably crumbling. Coming off the field, JJ said that you owed him one. Yeah. your wide receivers blocking for you. Yeah, they were both they – were, they were all blocking hard. Everybody was blocking hard today. It was, it was a lot of energy. And, you know, me and JJ go back and forth a lot about who's going to score more in the games and whatnot. So he was, uh, he, he was giving me a hard time telling me I owe him a touchdown now that since he got, got me a good block downfield. Talk about, about keeping the axe. Oh, yeah. It's, it's big, especially my senior year, going on the fourth year in a row, making sure uh, we send out all the seniors seniors in uh, the fifth years on the on the right foot. And uh, just a great, great feeling to keep that axe. How about the touchdown at the end? Oh, that was, a, that was a good one. We brought out the big people. We haven't had the big people out there for a while. Love seeing, uh, seeing a fullback in front of me clearing stuff out and then Fanica coming around. Just a good way to seal the game. Now, are you planning to go in the draft? This year? Oh, I'm still having decided, Jim. I'm going to see, see what it's looking like after the bowl game and then see where I go from there. Coming up the tunnel before the game, you're one of the more vocal players as far as reminding the guys to, to get out to a fast start. How mm -hmm. critical was it to get out to that quick 10 nothing lead? Yeah, it was definitely big. We struggled with uh, starting fast this year, so the emphasis over the last three, four weeks has just been make sure we get out to a fast start and carry the momentum from there. And uh, I just wanted to voice my voice, since I've played in this game, wanted to be the voice for, for a lot of the younger guys, tell them that we needed the energy, we got to keep it up and, and get out to that fast start. That's Cameron Scarlett. You heard my final question to him, there is uh, referring to to some of his thoughts before the game as I was making my way down to the field from the press box before the game began uh, the players were actually coming off the field and through the tunnel so I had to wait not a whole lot of room and I'm you know kind of swimming upstream a little bit it's just me going onto the field while while you know 75 very large men are, are coming off the field in my direction and up the stairs so I just stood at the top of the stairs and I waited for the team to pass before I went onto the field and it was overall relatively quiet. But I did hear one guy telling his players, telling his teammates to start fast, to get things going, to get uh, to jump on top of the Bears as early as they possibly could and put Cal in a hole. Now, he, he wasn't using family-friendly language, and the TreeCast is a family-friendly podcast, so I won't I won't relate to you exactly which words and exactly the uh, the exact quote from uh, Cameron Scarlett there, but but he was the one, he was the one who was reminding the guys as they were making their way back up the stairs and off into the locker room before the game. His his last little message to the team was, "Hey, jump on these guys early," and Scarlett helping to do that himself, talking the talk and then walking the walk. And look, it was extremely important for Stanford offensively to start off well against Cal and get points against Cal. Not just not just for the usual reasons, because Stanford has had trouble doing so for most for most of the season, but but especially in this big game against that defense that had been hyped up so much. And, and look, rightfully so, rightfully so. But they've been hyped up so much in the buildup leading up to big game. It was especially important. For them to start off well against a defense that many people uh, that, that many people had thought that Stanford might have trouble scoring against. And for a couple of quarters, they did. But in the first quarter, they didn't. And those 10 points in the first quarter, much of the difference as Stanford was able to ride that to victory once again. So Cameron Scarlett playing a big role offensively for Stanford. 
Bobby Okereke playing a big role defensively for the Cardinal. Had a hand in one of the biggest plays of the game when the Bears were, were down 10-6, to six, had kicked a couple of field goals, were, were, were down just 10-6, to six, but trying to get back into it, Malik McMorris taking the pass, had bowled over a couple of guys on a couple of plays, and then he'd say, yeah, he had the ball once again. The big 295-pound uh, fullback for Cal was hit, lost the ball. Stanford recovered it. Bobby Okariki had a hand in that play, forcing the fumble on route to, to 13 tackles on the day for him. So critical for Bobby Okariki to stay healthy along with Sean Barton, because really Stanford had no other inside linebackers. Literally. Ryan Beecher and Ricky Miazon were on deck should anything happen to Okariki and Barton. But those two guys, Okariki and Barton, played every single snap defensively at inside linebacker for Stanford. Not ideal, obviously. Not optimal. And things maybe kind of got a little little fuzzy there at the inside linebacker spot as guys were missing tackles somewhat as the game went along. But overall, no quarrels, no complaints with what Stanford was able to do with the inside linebacker's position being as thin as it was. Bobby Okariki leading the charge. Some of his postgame thoughts to the media after it was all said and done. Tell us about Patrick Laird. He ripped off a 62-yarder on you. Yeah. Uh, he's good. I mean, like I said, he's patient. He's smart back there. Um, and he had 99, a good line block in front of him. We just were able to fight back with him. It looks like you guys got pretty physical with the QB early. You had two big hits. They're both legal, but yeah. uh, how big were those in, in setting the tone for the game for your defense? Big. I mean, I'm, you got a quarterback out there who wants to run and try to establish that, so you just got to let him know you got to slide. Did he not see you on that first one? Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> it was a bit of a two-round fight with McMorris. Mm -hmm. uh, first one went his way. Yeah. Second one, you forced <laughs> the fumble. Uh, the swing of that fumble and also just the challenge of stopping him. Yeah, I mean, that fumble was big. Um, Malik was there on the tackle. I just coming in, second man in, uh, reaching for the ball. And then, yeah, on that little slide route, he's, he's big. Running, trying to tackle him. He's digging, driving. So, yeah, he's a good player. Do you guys do anything in practice, like have one of your defensive linemen carry to, 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 to get ready for that? Uh, not really. I mean, just watching film and just knowing ahead of time that that's what we're going to go against. You are the front row seat to Paulson to Debo. <laughs> yeah. You take us through that from your perspective. That was crazy. I turned, run, see the ball, one-handed catch. Got to watch it on the replay a couple times. I mean, he's an incredible player. And then that backhanded pick, whatever <laughs> whatever he did, I mean, he's a magician with the ball in his hand, and he's it's crazy. You and Sean had to play a lot today. Yeah. Um, that was a, kind of a special challenge on a, on a big game. Mm -hmm. I mean, how would you describe what you and Sean did? Just let the chains loose and played. I mean, we were on special teams. We were playing every play defense, just out there having fun, playing for each other, playing with each other. Uh, it was fun. Boy, I'm glad Bobby Okariki was having fun because I was white-knuckling my way through that game, watching the inside linebackers going, please, please don't, get, don't either Sean or Bobby get hurt. <laughs> Bobby Okariki with 13 tackles, nine tackles for his inside linebacker mate. Uh, Sean Barton, and and it's interesting to know. You know a lot of us talked about Cal's inside linebacking 2-0 as 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 two of the most productive linebackers. Certainly the the most productive inside linebacking duo in the country in Evan Weaver and Jordan Kanashik. Boy, those guys are fun to watch. But Okariki and Barton kind of stole the show a little bit. 
that was nice to see, especially given the injury situation and the fact that, that they had no choice <laughs> but to play at an extra high level for pretty much the entire game uh, for Okariki and Barton. So uh, you heard the defensive perspective on things there as Stanford puts it together and beats Cal 23-13. to So now it leads to this. Stanford at 8-4. and four. Bowl bound for the 10th consecutive season. And the Cardinal will be heading off to El Paso for the Sun Bowl for a meeting against the Pitt Panthers. Couple of notes here. One for the program and another personally. So let's start with the program here. Obviously, Stanford with some experience with the Sun Bowl. They've made the plane ride to El Paso on several occasions. And mixed Mixed results for the most part, but but positive results for the most part when Stanford has gone to El Paso. Dating back to 1977, Guy Benjamin leading the Cardinal to a 24-14 win over LSU in Bill Walsh's first season in his first go-around as the Stanford head coach. Fast forward 19 years, 1996, Stanford just pole-axing and chainsawing Michigan State 38 to nothing, the final score that day. That was the final game that I called for KZSU in my lone season as the Stanford football play-by-play voice for KZSU that season. Uh, Michigan State's head coach that day, by the way, some guy named Nick Saban. What's he been up to? 2009, Stanford went back to the Sun Bowl and faced Oklahoma. Uh, They were without Andrew Luck as he had suffered an injury in the weeks leading up uh, to that Sun Bowl. So Luck Uh, was unable to go that day, and the Sooners were able to get the win in Toby Gerhardt's final game in a Stanford uniform. And, of course, two years ago when uh, Stanford overcame an early injury to Keller Christ and just a virtuoso performance by Solomon Thomas. My God, I still think about that game that Solomon Thomas had that day sometimes. And Stanford was able to beat North Carolina and Mitch Trubisky uh, even des- even despite not having Christian McCaffrey services, as he decided to leave early and declare for the NFL draft and focus on the NFL draft. So from a program standpoint, a lot of experience, a lot of positive experience overall for Stanford um, in this bowl. I know David Shaw's looking forward to enjoying the hospitality uh, that the El Paso uh, Sun Bowl Committee um, uh, ex- extends to to, to the teams, to the fans, to the staff. And, and really, I can if, if it's anything, I made the trip in 1996, and if, if the hospitality uh, there is, is, uh, is still anything like it was uh, back in the mid-'90s, uh, if you haven't been to El Paso yet, uh, then you're really in for a treat. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, so that's a, 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 a program note on the Sun Bowl. On, on a personal note for the Sun Bowl, um, I lived in Pittsburgh for four years before coming back out here to the Bay Area uh, almost five years ago. And during my time in Pittsburgh, I covered and traveled with Pitt football. So obviously a much, much different program now than it was in my time uh, because that was the Dave Wanset era, the tail end of his, uh, the, the final year for him, the Todd Graham era, and, uh, you know, also uh, Paul Christ uh, as well. So uh, they, went through, they went through three different head coaches coached during the regular season for Pitt. <laughs> we, you know, we like coaching stability here at Stanford. Pitt had none of it earlier this decade, but things have really stabilized a little bit uh, with Pat Narduzzi at the helm for the past couple of years. So I still know a lot of people behind the scenes in that program, a lot of respect uh, for Pitt football, a lot of history uh, behind that program. You go back to Dan Marino in the 80s, Tony Dorsett back in the 70s. Uh, so, 
So pick football, you know, from a personal standpoint, I'm, I'm a little psyched. I'm a little psyched uh, to see uh, what happens in between uh, between Stanford uh, and uh, and Pitt. Looking forward to it, December 31st in El Paso. Uh, one quick note from the Pac-12 uh, bowl selections that I, I just want to get off my chest here a little bit. Uh, Washington State, fantastic season for them. Finished ten and two. Obviously, did not make the Pac-12 championship game. But I, I call I call the Cougs the people's champ because I think a lot of people were rooting for them uh, just based on the story uh, that the Cougs were able to put forth uh, this year, just coming from out of nowhere and, and surpassing just about everyone's expectations outside of Pullman and putting together one of their best seasons uh, in a long, long time. They're off to the Alamo Bowl. No New Year's Six Bowl for the Cougs this season. And Washington State, I'm sure disappointed on that. On, on, by that on some level and they really put the press on they really put the press on uh you know pat chun the athletic director at washington state mike leach the head coach for the cougs leading the charge uh lobbying as much as they possibly could to get in the new york in, in the new year's six ball but it did not work out as uh washington state just on the outside looking in finishing number 13 in the last uh, college football uh, playoff rankings as uh, Washington State will now head off to the Alamo Bowl. And, and look, I, I, I back the pack, as you know. Uh, on, and on, on occasions, it is my pleasure to get paid to back the pack with my work with the Pac-12 Network. But as much as I enjoy watching Washington State this year, being, them being on the outside looking in, I'm not surprised, quite honestly, just because of, of that non-conference schedule. That non-conference schedule for Washington State just too tough to overcome and, and, and just not good enough, I think, uh, for the college football playoff committee to overlook. It's unfortunate, but but that's the reality of it all. I mean, Washington State, their non-conference schedule, Wyoming, San Jose State, Eastern Washington. There's, there's, not, a lot of, there's not a whole lot you can do there. So that's why they had to win that game against Washington. They had to. They did so now they're off to San Antonio, which, which is a good bowl, too. Stanford was just there last year. But still not quite the bowl that they were expecting and, and hoping to play in. And by the way, their opponent, Iowa State. Iowa State is number 23 in the uh, latest college football playoff rankings. They cracked the top 25. And I'm trying to figure out how. Yes, they beat number six West Virginia back on October the 6th. That, by far, their signature win of the year. But their non-conference slate, not impressive at all. Lost to Iowa. Beat Akron 26-13, to big whoop there. And handled Drake. Actually, no, they didn't handle Drake at all. They barely squeaked by Drake, 27-24. Last Saturday. So it's not like that game was buried back in back in late August, early September. That game against Drake just happened. It just happened. Yet somehow the Cyclones in the top 25 in the college football playoff rankings. And Stanford is not. And the Cardinals' four losses came against teams that are all ranked in the CFP rankings. That has me scratching my head just a little bit. Just a bit. Oh, well, that's cool. Just root for Washington State to beat Iowa State and root for Stanford to beat Pitt in the Sun Bowl on December 31st. 
All right, so here's what's going to happen in in the weeks ahead. Regular season is done. Uh, So we're going to kind of go to an odd posting schedule, perhaps once a week leading up to the Sun Bowl. Uh, as 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 developments warrant, perhaps we there might be a week or two where we might not come at you at all. So just stay tuned, hang in there over the next few weeks as we all get ready for the Sun Bowl. My best advice to you is to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. That way you're not, I mean, you can constantly check my Twitter at Troy Clarity. Last time it's spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. I, I wouldn't mind you giving me a follow as well. That would be cool. But the best way to ensure that you have these tree casts coming at you and that you're able to listen to them as soon as they're posted, right? Hot, hot off the press. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and iTunes. So we will come at you next time, whenever that time may be. In the meantime, thanks to our guest, David Shaw, the Stanford Cardinal head coach, my one-on-one with him, as well as Stanford running back, Cameron Scarlett and Stanford linebacker Bobby Okariki. Cardinal beat Cal once more. It, but it, you know what? As, as, as many it, look, this, this season isn't probably what it could have been or should have been. But Stanford still beat USC, still beat UCLA for 11th time in a row, and still beat Cal. Overall, grand scheme of things, no major, major complaints when it comes to Stanford football at this point we'll talk to you next time on the tree cast thanks again to our guests thanks of all most of all to you uh, for joining us on the show don't drink and drive if you do you're the dumbest person on the planet see you next time thanks for checking us out on the tree cast with troy clarity